do to, to be his. We talked about a couple weeks ago the importance of reading your Bible and, and trying to pray, and I hope that some of you have been trying to do that and, and, uh, and sticking with that and trying to keep up with their scripture. And, and again, it's not about being a Bible scholar. That's not the goal. It's just about trying to get more of his thoughts into your head. If you read Huckleberry Finn, you're going to think a little more like Mark Twain. You can't help it. And if you read uh, the scripture, you're going, to, you're going to have a little bit more of God's thoughts in your head. It's just, it's, it has to happen. It's one of those things. And that really is the goal of all that stuff is to, is to try to get more thinking that way. And with the prayer too, trying to get more focus on him. We've talked about trying to get involved in some sort of a group. And I know that some people took advantage of that last week and, and, and jumped in for the first time into some sort of a and some sort of a community group. We have a lot of those groups, and, 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 and you're still encouraged to do that. Again, there's advantages like what Eric was saying, and just being in relationship, being in community with a few other people. But today, I kind of wanted to finish that and talk about uh, leveraging the, the things you have, your gifts, your talents, your, your energy, your resources, leveraging that uh, for something that's a little more uh, permanent, a little more eternal than, than what we normally think. I don't remember when it was I first got the idea in my head. I think it was given to me through television. Uh, uh, great teachers like uh, uh, Archie Bunker and uh, Al Bundy, that a man was supposed to be the, the king of his castle, right? Now, I, I know that, that that's not really how things work, but I, I got that lesson in my head as a kid that one day I would have my own chair that would be my chair and one that I would have my own, this would be my, king of my castle. That was the, the goal that I had. It's not worked out like I hoped in, in, in all the ways that I, that I hoped it would. But, but that was the dream, right, that you, that you were, had as a little kid. That's what people told you that you were supposed to aspire to. Well, today, maybe you can have a man cave, you know, not, not the whole building, but just like a room in there. It's your man cave or a she shed. And that would be your one area. That's your area, and no one else can touch it, and it's yours. And when you're in your castle or in your little area that's your area, uh, that's supposed to be the... the some people retire with that in mind. I'm one day going to retire, and uh, it, it's a, we're, a long, we're a few months off now, but usually every year when I was in youth ministry, I would have one of the high schoolers, as they were getting closer to graduation, say to me how excited they were to graduate, and finally nobody can tell me what to do. Has that been your experience, that finally after high school, nobody could tell you what to do? But, but that was the dream, right? One day, I'll have that. And people look for retirement that way. We know they get to retirement, and nobody can tell me what to do. And, and uh, first of all, it's an unrealistic dream, right? But second of all, it kind of works against you. And, and, uh, and we've been talking about that the last few weeks, this notion that, um, that, that we need community, we need uh, we need to, to bounce off of people. We, we need that. And we need it because of how sin is in our lives. Sin has a lot of different qualities uh, about it that are, that are just, that they're always, no matter what the sin is, it's always part of that package. Sin is, by its very definition, kind of addictive. A little taste will make you want a bigger taste, or to want to make you want a bigger taste. The way to to, to, to wean yourself off chocolate cake is not to take just a little less every day, but just to quit altogether because that little less will just tempt you to have a little more, and before you know it, you're right back in the same hole. So the way to get off of, away from sin is just, it's addictive, and, and we know that kind of instinctively. But one of the things about sin is it, it makes you prioritize yourself. You don't think about anybody else. All you're thinking about is yourself. You see it really clearly in like a sin of greed, 
or maybe a sin of lust, a person who's, who's really deep in lust is not thinking at all about his or her family. They're just thinking about what they want in that moment. But all the sins work that way. You wouldn't lie. You wouldn't cheat. You wouldn't do those things if you were thinking about anybody but yourself. And sin always has that quality to it, always. And sin is blinding. There's something about sin that, that keeps you from seeing it really. I mean, it takes some work. And everything we talked about in this series will help you see that part of your life better so you can deal with it. I've had a couple different people through the years uh, get bad results from a doctor and uh, be told, hey, this is the, what it looks like on the x-rays, this is what it looks like on the scans, you need to do something about it. And one or two people in the, in the 30 years I've been uh, doing ministry here who ignored all that. Well, I don't want to think about that. But not thinking about it doesn't make it go away, right? It's still there, and whether you think about it or don't think about it, it's a thing. And I've seen people do that with their sin. Well, I just don't want to think about it. Man's a king of his castle. Man's a, this is my area. No one's going to tell me what to do. And there's something, if we don't watch out, that can get us there. So, right, the reason why I wanted you to read is so that you would see the x-rays, so you would see the CAT scan, so you could hold up that against your life and see some things. The reason I want you to get in community groups is there's something about bouncing off of people that helps you to see yourself better, because we're normally kind of blind to our sin, and there's something about serving that helps you see yourself better, and that's why I wanted to talk about that today. A couple weeks ago, uh, Tom Bishop, he's our chairman of the elders, he and I went to Evansville, there's a ministry they do down there, and we're going to talk about this more in the next couple of weeks, but a ministry they do down there where they make beds for, for kids who don't have beds, that's the whole ministry, and, and uh, you, they make the beds, and they deliver the beds to, to places that don't, don't have beds, and, and we got to see what they did, and, and I got to go help deliver some, some, some beds to some families, and, and there's something about doing that that makes you, evokes all sorts of things inside of you. I mean, immediately, it makes you grateful you do have a bed. I may not have everything that I want in this world, but I've got a bed I can go lay down in. Uh, it makes you grateful that way. It makes you grateful to be used by God. God, I hope that maybe somehow what we did today can make some little kid have a whole different perception about you, about the church, about, about people. You know, that they're not all alone in this world. I mean, there's something about serving that changes your vision. You, you don't think the same way when you throw yourself into it. And, and, and very rarely, in fact, I've never heard of it, will somebody give themselves to some sort of a service and then come away from that and say, man, what a waste that was. I mean, very rarely will you invest yourself in helping somebody like that and come away. Now, you may come away tired. And you may come away thinking, well, I still got all these other things I need to do when I get home, and the worry of that may get you. But, but no one ever regrets being generous. I mean, you, 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 you don't. There's something about it that, that automatically revives your soul. There's something about it that automatically picks you up. And, and, and when we talk about the kind of vision that we need to have to be, the, to be the kind of Christians we're supposed to be, there's something pretty powerful about leveraging your, your strengths and your weaknesses and your gifts and your talents and your resources and all of it for God and for his kingdom. So i got a couple of scriptures I want to read about this thing. It's all in one section, Luke chapter 12. If you want to read with me in your Bible, you can, or if you want to watch on the screen, I'll have it up there on the screen, and, and we'll try to go through it kind of slow. Uh, I've already talked about that. There we go. There it is. Someone in the crowd uh, said to... Uh, said to Jesus, uh, teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
And, and if you've ever uh, uh, had to be an executor of a will or, or had someone uh, close to you died who were, you were a part of the inheritance, and you, you know how sometimes it can get ugly dividing all that stuff up. And, and I've seen that, and you've, you've probably seen that. And there may even be somebody in the room who no longer talks to a cousin or no longer talks to a brother or sister because there was a disagreement about that sort of thing. Sometimes when we divide this stuff up, dividing the inheritance can break families down. And, and if you've never experienced that, well, good, but you've seen it, I bet, because it happens a lot. And it happened in Jesus' day. And so someone comes to Jesus and says, hey, I want you to tell my brother. And what he's wanting here is not for Jesus to divide it evenly, but to take this guy's side. That's what you'd want if you came and said something like that. And Jesus really wants no part of that conversation. He says, man, who appointed me a judge of you? You know, I mean, it's, it's not my job to divide inheritances. And, and, then, and then he says to, to them, not just to that guy, but to the whole crowd that's kind of watching, he says, you need to watch out for greed. Watch out, he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Now, there's, by the way, and I thought about it, there's a whole sermon just in that verse. You, you, you could really do a whole sermon just there, and it'd be the kind of verse that I would encourage you to reflect upon if you get a chance. He says, watch out. In the other words, it's not obvious. You won't see it right off. It's the same thing we've been talking about in the last few weeks. It's easy to be blind to this sort of thing. He says, watch out. He says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And greed is whenever you prioritize what you need in terms of stuff. I need this stuff. I need that stuff. The, uh, the king of my castle. If I don't get all this stuff then I'm not going to be happy. He says, you need to keep your eye out for that, Jesus says, because your life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. Now, I could tell you a story about somebody you don't know, just somebody made up, so two sisters, right? And, and, and somebody, mom dies, and mom had this uh, a quilt that she, that she really loved, and both sisters had always imagined that when mom was gone, they'd have the quilt, and, but only one could, and once that one got it, then they didn't talk to each other for the rest of their lives. They were great friends up until mom died, and then they didn't talk to each other the rest of their lives. Now, I just made that story up. It's not anybody that I know that's done that sort of thing, but you would say, probably, evaluating that story, well, that's crazy. Who would give up a great relationship with a sister or a brother for a quilt, Right? I mean, if the devil would have went up to either sister and said, hey, I'd like to buy your friendship with your sister. What? Yeah, I want to buy that. The devil said, I'd like to make you a trade. What kind of trade? I wouldn't trade my friendship with my sister for anything. No, 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 I'll make you a trade. I'll give you this quilt. Well, I mean, there's no way that the either sister would buy it, buy it on that, right? But you've got to watch out. Greed will sneak up on you. You don't see it coming, and before you know it, you've done stupid things because life doesn't consist in possessions. That's what Jesus is saying, and like I said, I could do a whole, whole sermon on it. But Jesus does a whole sermon on it, right? And then he told him this parable. So he's talking about the, the, the inheritance thing, and here's the story that Jesus tells. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, well, what do I do? I've got no place to uh, put my stuff my crops. Now, he's done nothing wrong here, and Jesus is not condemning him for any of that. He just had a good year. It happens. You know, it's a great thing when that happens. Well, the rain came at just the right time. The crops did just like they're supposed to do, and he had a lot more than he ever thought he would. And, well, good. That could happen to any one of you in something. You know, you work real hard, or you invest in something, and it hits. You didn't plan for it to happen. It just did. And so he said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and then I'll store my grain there. And by the way, I don't even think he's wrong at this point. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with tearing down a barn. Nothing wrong with building another barn. Nothing wrong with saying this house is too small for us. We want a bigger house. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But here's where it gets shady, and this is where Jesus is going to get on him. He says, and I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Just take it easy. Eat and drink and be merry. In other words, make your whole life about yourself. You finally got enough money that you can be the king of your castle. You know, it can all revolve around you. You finally have enough money that no one can tell you what to do. And it's at that point that he slides off in the wrong direction. And that's where you got to watch out because greed will sneak up on you. And Jesus says uh, in the story, he says, God says to the man that he's building the bigger barns, you're a fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who's going to get what you prepared for yourself? And he says, this is how it's going to be with anybody who's, who stores up things for themselves, but they're not rich to God. Whenever you think that you can kind of withdraw from the world and, and be on your own, that, that's the very moment that everything starts to slide away. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a house that's, that's beautiful that you like to hang out in. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with being a homebody who prefers to be home, with, not with others. That, nothing, there's no sin there at all. But where the sin comes is when you start to on purpose isolate yourself as a means of protecting your time and your stuff and your energy. And you don't share any of those things with God and by extension don't share any of those things with anybody else. It's foolish. We only get a, 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 a moment here, just a flash, and then we're gone. You could walk through uh, the cemetery out there and just see all the names, and 90% and of the names, you have no idea who they were. But they lived from here to here, maybe a really long time in their mind, but it was just, and they're gone. You don't have much time to make a difference in this world. And anybody who on purpose isolates themselves and hides rather than leveraging those things to make this world a better place is just foolish. C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, The Great Divorce, talks about hell and in what I think is kind of an interesting way. He says in hell, and it's just his imagination, there's no Bible verse for this, but he says in hell, people automatically try to get away from one another. There's no clusters in hell. And the very most interesting people, you know, if you were to wind up in hell one day, you say, well, at least I can find some interesting people. He says, the most interesting people don't want to be with you. They've, 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 they've have spent all of eternity getting further away. <laughs> he says, you say, well, if I'm in hell, at least I can meet, you know, Genghis Khan or I can meet somebody interesting. No, Genghis is millions of miles away. He's been walking away ever since he got here. That there's something in hell, there's something about the people in hell, they don't want to be with anyone else. I want my own man cave, way away from anyone else. And I think Lewis is onto something there. I think there's something devilish when we want to protect ourselves and we don't think about anybody else. So be on your guard. It's not yours forever. This, as a sports illustration, just uh, maybe this won't mean anything to anybody else, and, and that's okay. But, but uh, Bruce Arians was the, the, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he resigned this week. He resigned, and he's, a lot of people thought he had a good chance to win the Super Bowl, that his team would win. He won two years ago. They thought he had a good chance of winning this year, and it was kind of surprising when he, when he resigned like he did. And people asked him this week, it was a quote, why did you resign? He said, well, I wanted this assistant to have a chance. I really respect him, and we're friends, and I want this guy to have a chance, and I want him to have a good team. 
I want him to not just go to some team that's terrible. I want him to have a good team to do it with. And I was probably going to retire in a year or two anyway. And, uh, and I did think about it. Wouldn't it be great to come back and go out on top? But he said, uh, there's just as good a chance that we'll go 10 and 6 this year as we're going on top. You can't control any of that. One or two guys get injured and everything falls apart. But right now, he says, I could control the moment. I could control the narrative, is what he said. I thought that was so smart. I don't know if Bruce Arians is a Christian or not. I have no idea about that. And I have no idea really if he's a good example for anything else. But on that one thing, you only have this moment. You only have this moment. You don't know what 10 years is going to be like or two years or even next year. You know, I mean, COVID should have taught us that. We, we, I mean, you can think everything's going right and then everything's upside down and, and there's no control over this life. You only control this moment. And if you can do good in this moment, then you should. Don't be saving all your money and your energy and your time for something else. That something else may never come. Okay, um, let me move on. He says, for the pagan world runs after all these kinds of things. The pagan world is constantly being rich to themselves and not rich to God. The pagan world runs after all these things, and your father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And don't be afraid, little flock, he says, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be scared. Uh, you're going to be fine. I think sometimes we can have a little moment of panic when, when somebody comes and asks for our time. Well, I had planned to spend this whole Saturday doing this, or I had planned to spend this whole weekend over here. I thought finally we'd have a weekend just to ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with doing some of that. There, there isn't. But, but again, no one ever regrets being generous. Uh, last night I had a chance to go visit with somebody, and... and uh, and I didn't plan for it to be a long thing. I thought it would be a drop in and drop out, and we'd just uh, brief, but it, it didn't work out that way. It turned into a pretty long deal. And, uh, and I had planned to watch the basketball game, the first one. Kind of had it in my head. I didn't go to Villanova or Kansas, either one to school. It's not like I have a vested rooting interest in it. I just like basketball, and I had planned to be there to watch that. But I couldn't get away from this person. It wasn't like I was trying. It was a nice conversation. We were having a, we, we were, and I thought it was needed, and, and I, I could tell it was a good thing that I was there, and so we just talked. And as I walked away from that, I did not think, what a waste of time this has all been, right? I, I didn't think that. Now, I have occasionally gotten up from, uh, well, not on a conversation, but I have occasionally gotten up from the television and thought, what a waste of time this has been. I have done that. Very rarely do I hop up from the television and say, wow, I'm refreshed, right? And it's very rare that that happens. Uh, you try so hard to protect your energy and time and everything else, but, but I've never regretted giving it away. And he says, don't be afraid. You know, and when you think fear, don't think fear like a, a, like a, a death panic, though it could be that, but even just this normal anxiety we get. And if I give this away, whatever this is, I might really want it back. And he says, don't be afraid. You're going to get something much better from God. He says, sell your possessions. Now, you don't have to read that as sell all your possessions. You could read it that way, but you don't have to. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He says, provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. As a, as a science formula more than anything else, you would think the way to construct that sentence, this one here behind me, is wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. In, in, in the sense that if my heart beats for fast cars, then I'll go buy fast cars, right? My treasure will follow my heart. 
That's what he's saying. But that's not what Jesus says. He says your, your heart follows your treasure. The more stuff you have, the more your heart chases after those things. Now, you see that, by the way, in small things. You, you do. You, you see it in small things. Um, suppose one of you had a car that you always wanted, you know, your whole life. If I could just get this car, and wonder of wonders, either, either you saved enough money to do it, or maybe took lots of loans to make it happen, or maybe just something worked out, an inheritance or a gift, and, and now you've got the car of your dreams, right? Well, now you're scared to drive it, Right? When you park at Walmart, you're at the very end of the lot, and you've taken up three spots. You don't want anybody to get close to you, and, and, uh, and uh, you're just constantly worried somebody's going to ding it. You're, you're polishing it every night. You won't drive it in the rain. And if you do drive it in the rain, you've got to get home and dry every part of it because you're just scared to death about this car. Nothing wrong with any of that, but the car starts to own you a little bit. You know, I finally have got a house with a yard. Boy, I'm so glad. What comes with having a house with a yard? Mowing, weed-eating. Uh, maybe some debt, and, and so now you're mowing. Mowing is a great deal of fun right now, right? But what's coming? August, when no one wants to mow. Everybody's so tired of that yard. But it starts to own you. You have to do it, and you've got to repair it, and you've got to insure it, and you've got to clean it, and you've got to take care of it. And it's like that's how life is, right? That's how life is. Nothing, nothing wrong with any of it, but your, your heart starts to chase your treasure, it's, it has to. You've got to care for it. You've got to think about it. You've got to worry about it. And, and that notion, it, it, it can get out of hand. And so Jesus' advice in, in the verse before that, he says, he says go the other direction. Be, be happy giving stuff away. There's something wrong. You know, give, if somebody really likes the jacket you've got, let them have it. If somebody really likes uh, something that you, you know, if you can, give it away, share it. You don't have to do it. It's not a command, but, but I mean, but you'll be richer as a result. You, you, you don't think you will, but you will. And when you take what you have, your, your resources, your energy, your time, whatever it is, and you bless somebody, especially somebody poor, who cannot pay it back, he says you're investing in treasure in heaven. And nothing's ever going to take that away. Over the last year, uh, inflation has went up by 7%, which means if you had $100 in the bank at the beginning of, of last year till this year, that hundred's worth 93 So if you did nothing but save your money from last year to this year, it's worth less. That's how money is. You can't predict what it'll do. Doesn't matter what investments you make. There's no guarantee it's going to go up. No guarantee it's even going to stay even. And when you think about putting money in the bank, you don't think of that like an investment. You think, that, well, that's safe there. It's not safe there. It's never safe unless you invest it in heaven, and then now you get a treasure there that never fades. It never wears away. It never goes south. It never loses value. Investments you make in God's kingdom will always pay back. You will always get a good return on it. It never disappoints. That's what he's saying in all those verses and I, I just think it's, one last thing, and I'm going to switch gears. One last thing on this deal, and, it, and, it, and it's, it, 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 it matters a ton. When Jesus told this to that first century audience, right, when he spoke it to them, nobody had savings, right? If he talked to 100 people, maybe two of them had any sort of a savings account of any sort, right, any money stored, almost everybody, 95% of the crowd for sure that Jesus is talking to, live day to day to day. There's no social security, there's no welfare, there's no government programs. If, if I don't work today, I don't eat today. 
And that was true for 95% of the people Jesus talks to. So if this lesson applied to them, how much more would it apply to you if you have anything in savings? Just something to think about. I want you to think about all the different things that God might have given you. All of it. Not just your money, but, but all of it. You know, if, if you're the kind of person who feels blessed by God, God has been so good to me. You know, I, I mean, I have, I have a few things. I, I don't worry too much. I've got my health. I've got my energy. I mean, there's no reason for me to have it. Some people uh, it, it, my age are in a much worse strait than I'm in. And sometimes it's because of choices they've made, and sometimes it's because of something random, some health thing they couldn't control or something in their family, or, 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 or it could be anything. And, but God has blessed me. I mean, I've just been blessed at every turn. And so when I think about what God has given me, how can I use that for, for him? And this question behind me, this blank, this fill in the blank, you ought to think about that. What do you have that, that God might want to use for, for him? If nothing else, you could write time in there. Now, you don't know how much time you have, of course. Uh, not one minute's promised to us, but you have this moment. You might think to yourself, well, that's a good story, but I'm too busy. And uh, it's at this point that I feel compelled to remind all of you that if you checked your kids in today, you handed them to a busy person who took time out of their busy schedule to volunteer. There was nobody downstairs, if you handed your kids off, said, I got nothing going this week. What can I do to help out? Nobody said that. All of them sacrificed. If you, if you, uh, that's how church works. It's always uh, the busy who are making it all happen. Or maybe not time. Uh, God has given me a good health to use for his glory. You know, for, for whatever reason, everything is clicking along pretty good for you right now, and and there's no reason why you shouldn't be using it for him that you could help in a hundred different ways. Well, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> God has given me some resources. I don't know what those resources are. God's given me some skills, some unique talents and gifts that I have that no one else does. And whatever it is that he's given you, he expects you to use it for him. So when we think about that, here's my motivation for you and the things I want you to think about. Remember, it starts and ends with your vision. First thing, open your eyes for opportunity. Jesus tells a story once. He's, he's, oh, he doesn't tell a story. He's in a, he's in a scenario there once where he's going through Samaria. It's a very poor area. A lot of uh, 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 poverty, a lot of oppression, a lot of uh, uh, people run down. And, and, and that the Samaritans hate the Jews, and Jesus is a Jew. And so it's kind of like being the wrong race in a neighborhood. If everybody in the other neighborhood is a different race than you, and you can feel it, they're all looking at you, and what's going to happen, and what's, am I safe here? And you get those kind of thoughts in your head. And, and so Jesus is one of those neighborhoods, and he talks to this woman. And at the end of the conversation, she gets it. She understands what Jesus is all about. She understands the message. She understands the invitation that anybody can come close to God, that Jesus makes that possible. And so she runs into town to tell all of her friends about what Jesus has told her. Meanwhile, Jesus had sent his disciples into town. These are the guys you heard of, St. Peter, St. John, St. Saint, Saint, uh, uh, James. And they went into to town to buy food, to buy groceries for Jesus, to buy something to eat. And they all are, she's, they're coming out of town while this woman's running into town. And they see Jesus talking to her, and they say, what are you doing talking to somebody like that? Well, they don't say it. They're thinking it. They're scared to say it, but they're thinking it. What are you doing talking to this woman? And Jesus tells them, open your eyes. 
He says the fields are white for harvest. And so I can imagine the disciples turning around and this woman is bringing the whole town to hear Jesus. Now again, the weird ironic part about that is all of the disciples, the guys you've heard of, they've just been in town. They didn't do anything. The whole town was a powder keg. If somebody would just light the fuse, they would all come to God and not one of the disciples thought to do anything. This world is hungry for God. I mean, the whole world operates completely for itself. And whenever anybody shines their light in, in a way that shows that they care about anything more than themselves, and, and the, 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 what Eric talked about where they're feeding the hungry or, or, or this bed ministry that we saw in Evansville, it doesn't matter. When you, when you on purpose take your, your, yourself, your one and only life, and you use it to, to bless somebody else, man, the world is hungry for that sort of thing. Open your eyes. There's just a million opportunities out there. Um, I remember when my kids were in the kids program. They're all too old for that now. When they were in the kids program, some of those teachers meant the world to them. What did this person tell you? What did Miss April tell you this week? What did Miss Ashley have to say to you this week? And they would come home and they would tell us these things. It doesn't really matter what you do. You can make such a difference with just a small gift of your time or energy or resources. Prayerfully consider stretching your faith. It hurts to stretch. If I asked you to, uh, all of you to stand and we're going to touch our toes together, it'd be easier for some of you than others. Uh, some of you would cheat and, and, and do this number and, and that number. It'd be harder. It's hard to stretch. If you're not used to stretching, stretching can be pretty painful at first. And when I talk about doing some of this thing and it starts to kind of pinch at your heart, don't be surprised by that. It always hurts to stretch. So prayerfully consider stretching your faith here. What I'm telling you is if you get better about leveraging your resources for him, your life will be richer. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you if you leverage your resources for him, you will be closer to Christ and you will understand your own heart better. I'm telling you that. So test me in this thing. Make some little push on this thing. See if I'm telling the truth. And if I'm not, then write me an ugly email and tell me that I'm not. But test me in this thing. I'm just telling you it works, and I think a lot of people miss it. Anticipate that you're going to get blessed. I'm, I'm telling you to expect it, so do expect it. Uh, another story with Jesus. Uh, it's, it's towards the end of his life here on earth. He's, he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. This is the last week he'll be here. He knows at the end of the week he'll be on a cross. And so, and so the, 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 the Sunday before all that happens, he's in a house, and, and it's a house where uh, Mary and Martha lived and, and two sisters, and, and they, they seem like they have some money, and their brother Lazarus, and Jesus has just healed Lazarus, and not just healed him, but he, was, I mean, he wasn't just sick, he was dead, and he calls him out of the grave and raises him up, and Lazarus is alive again, and the sisters have their brother back, and it's just a huge family celebration, everybody's so excited, and, and Mary comes in, and she's got this really expensive a bottle of perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and, and she anoints his feet and she wipes the perfume off with her hair and, 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 and some of the disciples are watching this thing and say, this is crazy. I mean, that perfume was worth a year's wages. What a waste that is. And it, for whatever it's worth, it would be in our day, we, we can't think about buying perfume like that, but it would be in our day about somebody Deciding for Easter, they wanted to donate flowers for the church, so they donate $45,000 worth of flowers that are going to be gone in two weeks. It's that kind of a gift, right? And there would be people who would look at something like that and say, well, that's nuts. 
I mean, $45,000 worth of flowers? <laughs> you could have spent that on anything. That's what the disciples are saying. Well, I mean, it's crazy. But Jesus says, no, leave her alone. You know, she's getting me ready for my burial, and they don't know what he's meaning by that. But, but the perfume that she's putting on his feet isn't like an oil-based perfume. It's really strong, and it doesn't fade away very fast. And it would have lingered for a long time. And so when, when just a week later, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he would have looked terrible, I mean, bloody and scarred and, and broken. Uh, you, you, would have, you would have heard awful things. They're yelling at him and cussing at him, and, 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 he's, and he's dying, and he calls out, Father, take my soul, and it's finished. And, and you, would, you would hear and, and see that, but he would smell amazing, right? And honestly, when he's on the cross, I think that smell probably encouraged him even a little, that he wasn't all alone in the world. It was a very powerful perfume. It would not have went away. And Jesus knows what's going to happen. Okay, that's the story. But think about later, like when all these people are old, you know, they're all young people here, but now Mary's in her 80s, right? And she thinks back about that time when she spent that really expensive perfume bottle and she was in her 30s then and it's been all this time. Do you think she regrets it? Well, I wish I'd have had that perfume back. Really could do me a lot of good now at 80 if I had that extra year's salary that I spent on that perfume. No. But then think about the other guys, the guys who made fun of her for doing it. Do you think they feel different about it all those years later? No. Makes perfect sense now. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna be. And if you can do something good right now, then you do the good you can do. And you trust that God's gonna make something out of it. And they would remember how all that went. You never regret being generous, it always pays off. And so anticipate that blessing and recognize that you're not gonna outgive God. And be on your guard, last point, for greed. Sneaks in. I'm going to let the band come back up. We're going we're to conclude this time with a challenge, best I can. And, and it's a challenge for you uh, to think about how to better set your life up so you can see where you're going, so you can have God more fully in your life, right? And it goes to the things we've been talking about the last few weeks. I want to challenge you again. If you don't know the Lord or don't know him that well, then make a decision to start praying to God. Now, you can start that particular thing now. <laughs> you can start it right now. You don't have to wait till you get home. You can come here to the front, and you can pray here in the front and just ask God to move in your life. And, and uh, you can do that two different ways. You can pray here on, the, on the, 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 the stairs here, or you can go to one of the people on either side and just say, hey, just pray for me. Just pray for me. And that's all you have to say, and they will. And they'll, they'll ask God to move in you and, 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 and through you and for you. And, and there's something so powerful about that. And I ask these guys to come here every week, and they stand here, and, and nobody comes up. So even if you don't think you need it, you can come to them and say, you just look so sad up here. I thought I'd come pray for you. And I promise, I promise they will say thank you because we all want to be prayed for. Don't hurt anybody to get prayed for. Now, it may be something in your life where, where you're not close to the Lord, and the thing you need to talk to about with them is, I need to get right with God. And they can help you start processing that and what you need to do. Maybe talk to you about things like baptism, talk to you about things like, uh, or even get you right with a min to, to a minister or somebody else you can talk to. They'll help you and figure that thing out. So take advantage of that too if you need it. But coming out of this place, 
coming out of this place. If this moment's just a high and then we go home, we don't do anything, then it really doesn't do much good for any of us. It's like a sugar high. It's like drinking a Coke or something, and it feels good in that moment, but it won't feel good in about 20 minutes. So, so what, what we want to do here is to take what we did here, hopefully, and, and, and apply that out there. So if any part of you felt kind of a twinge today about any of this, now if you didn't, then, then you're in you're fine. I mean, see, here's, I'm assuming that while I'm preaching to you, that God is preaching to you too. While I'm preaching to you, the Holy Spirit's working on your heart too. So if you don't feel any sort of a pinch at all, then don't worry about it. You're fine. Good, good news. But if any of you during this middle thing felt just some little tug at any point of that, then I want you to pray about that during this time. I want you to ask God, God, is there something here I need to be doing and especially if, if when you give honest thought to this thing, you can't really think of anything you're doing uh, to give back. Um, then start asking God to move there. Because I think you're missing a whole section of your Christian life that's pretty powerful. So all that in mind, right? Come pray with them. Encourage them or ask them to pray for you. And make any decisions you need to make here at the end of the service. Stand up with me. Let me pray with you. Dear Lord God, I thank you for this group. And I pray for them, God, as we leave this place, that you help them to, to draw close. And if there's anybody here, God, who needs to make any sort of a decision, um, give them the courage to make it. What might seem like a small decision to me may be a giant decision for them. And so, God, if they've got something they've got to work through and something they've got to figure out, then give them the courage to do it. We trust you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm.